0: Good morning, Grace Point Church. Welcome to the 9 o'clock service. (laughs) Yes, that's right. You smart people, you slept in and said, I don't care about springing forward. That's why we got two services. Glad you could join us. And for you smarter people watching online in your pajamas, you are the wise ones home today. So thank you guys for making the effort to uh, come out today. I hope someday the... Wisdom of our leaders, we will do away with this whole spring forward, fall back nonsense. But that is nothing to do with the sermon today. I just my own personal feelings about it. (laughs) Let's pray. We're done. Uh, Before we get going this morning, we're we're in a brand new series. Um, But before we do, I'm going to ask you guys to help us with something. We're doing something for Easter this year, and it's crowd participation. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. And just a second, I'm going to ask you to grab your phone, uh, your smartphone, your tablet, all those things. What we want to do is this next week for the um, from now until next Sunday, every day at noon, we want you to put a reminder on your phone or on your tablet and just just to remind you. God, give me wisdom. Who do you want me to invite to Easter? Don't think of a name yet. God's going to bring that. But, you know, just who do you want me to invite to Easter? And then every day at noon, we're asking people at Grace Point Church here online, set a reminder, we're going to pray this week. So if you have a phone, if you have a tablet, and you need to talk to it, it won't be weird if you do it at this moment. In about 10 minutes, it's going to be weird. But right now, talk to your phone. Say, hey, remind me tomorrow, uh, the next, next week, noon, to do the thing. Reminder, Siri, Alexa, or if you have a pet name for your phone, good on you. So whatever you got to do, uh, just do that. Okay, got it? Perfect. Now, hit uh, vibrate. If you were in the last service, you'd actually get that joke. But, but hit vibrate uh, on your phone so it, uh, so it doesn't go off. Uh, we are in this brand new series called 30 Pieces of si- uh, Silver, The Judas in All of Us. And uh, it, we're going to take, take a look at a very unpopular person in the New Testament, and how does that impact my life? So before we jump in this morning, I'm going to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. We pray that you would speak volumes into our hearts and do what only you can do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So when you think about your favorite people in the Bible... Who are some of the names that come to mind? In fact, when I say that, there's a name that pops into your head. You know, who is who are the, like, the top 3 people? Who are the people that are in the Bible you're like, "Oh man, someday or those are the coolest people or I wish." A couple of names that rise to the surface. David is a popular one. David, man after God's own heart. Maybe Abraham had this incredible faith. He grabbed packed up all of his stuff and moved away, just moved to a foreign land. A lot like people on the left coast are doing. They're just moving to a foreign land. (laughs) They're moving across the country, right? Moses, incredible spiritual leadership. God used him to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. How about Paul? Incredible boldness for Christ. You read about him in the New Testament. And then there's Peter. Peter He's very enthusiastic about Jesus. And you know, we, love, we love that. I mean, Peter, he's a lot of things, but he was super enthusiastic in his faith about Jesus Christ. But when we think about your favorite people in the Bible, you know who does not make the list, never, ever, never pops on anyone's list? Judas. Nobody, there's no Judas tattoo. Like, there's nobody like, yeah, Judas, I love Judas. Like, nobody does that, right? Nobody picks Judas. Judas is an interesting guy. I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of studying on him and on this topic. A couple things about, uh, about Judas that you know, we just may, may miss as we you know, think about his life. We, we really just know him for this one thing that happened in, in, in his life. But Judas actually followed Jesus for years. For years. Day after day, heard the teachings of Jesus. He watched Jesus interact and care with others. Judas ate meals With Jesus. And think about that. He hung out and just ate meals with Jesus. Judas sat around campfires, I'm sure, with Jesus, had incredible conversations with Jesus. Judas witnessed some of the most incredible miracles recorded in the New Testament. Judas saw it with his own eyes. Judas even had his feet washed. By Jesus Christ. Man, think about that. All these things that Judas experienced. And yet, and yet, when given the opportunity, he traded Jesus for something else. 30 pieces of silver. Now, 30 pieces of silver is not a lot of money. In fact, it's only about three to six months worth of wages. So it's not like he was going to retire off of doing this. But Judas, when given the opportunity, he traded Jesus for something else. And it shouldn't be surprising in the fact that this is is the playbook that Satan uses all the time to, to lure us away from Jesus. Even some of the favorite people in the Bible. David traded Jesus for pleasure when he slept with Bathsheba. I know I shouldn't do it, but... Abraham traded him for insecurity when he told Pharaoh that his wife was his sister. I, I, don't, I don't want to get killed. You think my wife's attractive? Here, she's my sister. He did that twice. Moses traded him for anger and frustration when he struck the rock to get water, water out of it and t- instead of doing what God told him to do. Paul traded him for hate when he hunted down and killed Christians. Peter... Traded them for fear. When people asked him, do you know Jesus? And he said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Now, we're sitting here today and going, (laughs) those are people in the Bible. I would never trade Jesus for someone else. There's no way. I mean, those people, but not me. I mean, I've been going to church my whole life. I pray. I read the Bible. I even go to a Bible study. I come to church I came to church on spring forward Sunday. I give money. I invite people to Christmas and Easter. Just put it in my phone. I invite people to both. I spend lots of time around Jesus. But actually, we're probably more like Judas than we want to admit. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably traded Jesus for something this week. Maybe even on your way into church today, when the barista didn't get your coffee right, we trade Jesus or have the opportunity to trade Jesus for lots of things. Like, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you an example. Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two through twenty-three: the fruit of the spirit. Now, what this what this list is a comprehensive uh, uh, a list of the things that we get the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. These are the things that come out of that relationship that when we, when we have that moment in our life where we acknowledge that we need a Savior, we ask Jesus to come into our life, be our Savior, and then the, the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and out of that relationship come these things. Love. I mean, who doesn't want more love? Honestly. we I mean, love. Joy. If you watch the news lately, we could all use a little more joy. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. These are things that are freely given to us that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, who wouldn't want more of this in your life? And yet, when it suits us, we trade love for bitterness and hate, we trade joy. For envy and being critical, divisiveness. We trade peace for anxiety and fear, revenge. We trade patience for frustration and anger and intolerance. We trade kindness for slander and abusive speech, gossip. We trade goodness for holding a grudge against somebody else who's done us wrong. We trade faithfulness for lying, maybe stretching the truth to cast ourselves in a good light. We we trade gentleness for pride, for bullying people into submission so that they say we're right, both in person and online. We trade self-control for compromise, for doing what I want, for making it all about me. See, when, when we look at this concept of Judas in, in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, man, there's a lot more opportunities to be like Judas than I, than I really want to admit. Every day, we find ourselves faced with the same situation that Judas was faced with in Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And really, that's what we're faced with today. What will you give me if I trade this, 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 all the things that I have in relationship with Jesus, sin, what will you give me if I trade Jesus for that? And so as we jump into this, this morning, we're really going to wrestle down two two things as we try to answer this question. Two things that we need to consider when we have this opportunity in front of us. Here's the first thing. Every promise has a price. Every promise has a price. Here's what I mean. Satan tells us lies that feed our ego, but we pay for it. Satan will whisper in our ear lies, lies about sin, lies about how if you just do this, you are going to be better. But we wind up paying for it. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That, That word devour, it's a very interesting word. In the Greek, it means sudden and complete destruction. This isn't like Devour like he's hungry and wants a meal. This is complete destruction of your life. It, Satan is not this cute little figure that you see on TV or maybe at someone dancing around at an award show with a costume on and a little tail and little horns and, and we just kind of play around with Satan like, oh, you know, Satan, no, you know, he's the life of the party. no. Satan wants to destroy your life. If you hear nothing else, please hear that. Sin is enticing because it draws us in and then it wipes us out. That's the goal. That's what Satan wants to do. And now, how does he do it? I mean, you know, how does he come? Come on, how does he do it? Well, have you ever had these thoughts pop into your head when you're flirting around with sin? They had it coming. This will be the last time I do it. What I'm doing, it it, it won't hurt anyone. I deserve this. It's not that bad. I mean, compared to other things in life, I mean, it's, it's not that bad. And then we engage in sin and we feel the effects of those decisions. Broken relationships, guilt, shame, sadness, insecurity, hurt, and pain in our lives and often in the lives of others. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. This has been going on since the beginning of the creation of man and woman. If you go all the way back to the the garden, Satan whispered in mankind's ear and said, you know what's best. You will be like God. Does the same thing to us. Just engage with that. Just do that. You know what's best. You will be like God. There is a danger that is real, that every promise has a price. But the flip side of that, when you look at Jesus, see, Jesus gives us a promise for our soul, but he paid for it. See, that's the beautiful thing. Every promise has a price, yeah. And for Jesus saying, I, I paid for it. Well, what are the promises? Well, it's, it's an ex- it's, this is not an exhaustive list, but I've pulled a few out that I want to highlight. The first one is John chapter 15, verses four and five. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Watch this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know if you've ever been to a vineyard before. I used to live in Lodi, California, and uh, you can't go in or out of Lodi without going through vineyards. It's a pretty cool place to live. And I have to tell you, I have walked through many, many vineyards. I have seen lots of grapes on the vine. I have never in my entire life walked through a vineyard and watched a branch rip itself off of the vine, roll around in the dirt, and then pop itself back on. I have never seen that happen. See, Jesus is saying, look, abide in me. That word abide means to remain, to stay. That if you abide in me, you're going to see a lot of fruit that comes out of that relationship. But apart from me, you can do nothing. How about this? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, I love that. That life is hard. And Jesus is saying, look, I, I get it. I was here on earth. I understand. I have, I have lived life here on earth and did not sin. Let me give you rest for your souls. Let me provide that for you. Come come, walk with me. Come live in relationship with me. And I will provide rest for your souls. How about this? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes, to steal, or comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's not being redundant there. When Jesus says, I've come that they may have life, that's salvation. That's beginning a personal relationship with him. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. He's it. There's no other religion. There's no other things that you can do. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. Jesus gives it freely. You have to accept it. That's how it works. But... He says, I've, I've come that you may have light, salvation, and, and have it abundantly. United I think this is where a lot of people, especially Christians, get, get hung up. Because, because you yep, go, yep, salvation, I want that. And then you start, you start live, kind of, kind of, you know, living your life your own way and, and, and kind, of, kind of just, you just I'll see you in heaven. And that's and that what Jesus is saying to us, it's a bundle of a deep, rich, abundant, real little with him now. It's not, it's not just a, 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 a morning for an hour, right? I think sometimes, honestly, sometimes we treat, treat Sunday morning like, like, like a bunch of so we just come in, come in, plug in, plug in and get power, and, and, leave. and hope we get through the week, you know? That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being connected every day, every moment. It's spending time in His Word because it's good for us. It's memorizing Scripture. This morning, um, a group of guys. We had our uh, Every Man a Warrior group, and one of the coolest things sitting around the group of guys, we said, "Hey, what's been your highlight over the last nine weeks we've been meeting?" Almost to a person, every single guy said Scripture memory, having God's Word, and just being able to recall it, and how how um, the Holy Spirit just pops that back in my mind. Isn't that interesting? Prayer, spending time with God, reading God's word, living in relationship with him. And when you do these things, incredible changes happen in your life. Why? Because Jesus wants to have a relationship with us and out of that relationship comes fruit. God is a generous God. (laughs) He wants us to grow in our relationship with him. And knowing that every day, We're tempted every day we have opportunities to trade Jesus for something else, just like his disciples. And here's the deal. All the disciples turned their back on Jesus. Judas did it in a different way. Yes, I I agree with that and and fulfilling prophecy and and all that. But in the end, they all turned their back on Jesus. But I want to highlight two interesting uh, people in this whole uh, interaction. Judas and Peter. Because they viewed this very differently. See, Judas betrayed Jesus. Matthew 26, Jesus says, When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and they were eating, and he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. By, and by the way, Jesus in the garden, when, when Judas showed up and gave him the kiss and betrayed him, J- Jesus wasn't like,
1: what?
0: I had no idea. Jesus knew. He knew. He knew Judas was going to betray him. But then after Judas had left, He's having a conversation with the rest of the disciples, the other 11. And he says this, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. And Peter, enthusiastic Peter, corrects Jesus. Now look, if you don't think Scripture is funny, this is hilarious. Jesus just says to all the disciples, tonight you guys are all going to blow doors on me. And Peter goes, oh, no, 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 Jesus. Let Let me set you straight. Son of God, please let me tell you, how it's really going to go. Here's what Peter said. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Pride much? Uh, Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter goes back, corrects him again. Good on you, Peter. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter's, no, 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 not me. Not us. And the other side will say, Nope, nope, not not us. There's a stark contrast, though, between how they responded when they did deny Jesus. Which brings us to our second thing we need to wrestle down uh, with this morning. There's a difference between regret and repentance. There's a difference between regret and repentance. Those those words are, are more far apart than you think they are. Let me explain. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. That that phrase, he changed his mind, that's an important phrase. In the Greek The word is metamelomai, and it means to feel regret about what one has done. To feel bad. It's very feelings-based. I feel bad. Uh, Regret. It's like I go to the pizza parlor and I eat an entire pizza by myself. And I go home in the car and I go, I regret eating all that pizza. But let's be honest. Next week, I'm 100% going back and I'm going to eat more pizza. Probably, probably the whole pie again. That's regret. I feel bad about it, but not bad enough to do anything about it. It's, it's in the mind. Judas felt bad. You know, Jesus, he's, he's innocent. You know, my bad. Here, take your money back. It's, but regret, it, look, regret is very self-centered. It's, it's self-pity. It's I wish I hadn't done this. But there's no change that takes place. And in fact, oftentimes in regret we can talk ourselves into feeling better. Well, it wasn't that bad. Well, you know, next time. Well. And we, we, we regret ourselves away into doing the same behavior over and over and over again. Now contrast that with Peter. Peter, now the backstory on this, Peter, he had said to Jesus, corrected Jesus, no, no, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. Not me, no siree. Everyone else can get killed, Jesus. I'm your guy. Jesus says, Peter... This very night, before the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, excuse me, um, you're going to deny me three times. So we're picking this back up. Matthew 26, verse 74. And Peter, remember the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three, uh, three times. He went out and wept bitterly. The third time he denied, and if, you've read, if you read the account, he actually really gets in someone's grill about this. Like he's, he's not just going, no, I don't know Jesus. He like gets up in their face and is, pretty aggressive. I don't know Jesus. Rooster crows. Peter remembers what Jesus said. Peter remembers how he said, no, no, Jesus, no, no, not me. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. He had immediate feeling of I have sinned, I have done something wrong, I need to go do something about this. See, repentance is a very different word from regret. Repentance means to turn away from sin. What I find interesting is that I I actually got that definition out of the Webster's dictionary. This isn't even out of the Bible. If you go go look it up. Repentance means literally to turn away from sin, to change your behavior. That's why there's a big difference between saying I'm sorry and will you forgive me. Huge difference between those two things. Repentance is I don't want to do this anymore. I want to change my behavior. See, repentance deals with my pride. It it means that I admit my sin and that I want to change. Now, look, it doesn't mean sinless life. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're going to go on and that's not what it's talking about. But go back to the pizza analogy. It means that the next time I go to the pizza parlor and I go, I'm going to just order one slice, please. Thank you very much. I'm changing my behavior. I'm failing forward towards Jesus. But if you're stuck in sin and you just regret yourself away from it, that's not repentance. Please understand that. I think the most terrifying thing about Judas was that he was so close to Jesus and he never got past regret. And my fear is that there's some of you in here today, you're so close to Jesus And you'll never get past regret. And you'll never do anything more than regret yourself away into eternity. Peter, on the other hand, recognized what happened in his life. And he went back to Jesus. We read about it in the New Testament. Let me explain it this way. 2 Corinthians 7 uh, 7, verse 10 says this, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief... Produces death. See, regret is an activity of the mind, repentance is an activity of the heart. Regret is here, repentance is here. And there's a big difference in that. Repentance or re- regret, excuse me, is it's it's all about me and it's, it's self pity and it's it's a feeling thing. And repentance is no, 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 I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I want to change my behavior. Judas was so close to Jesus. He saw him as teacher, but never as Lord. In fact, we read about that in the New Testament. And that last night that they were together, and Jesus, was, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And all the disciples, the other 11 disciples said, is it I, Lord? You to read it in the New Testament, is it I, Lord? They were calling him Lord. Judas said, is it I, Rabbi? Is it I, teacher? Judas never called him Lord, he called him teacher. Ah, He was so close. He did a lot of good things. He's around Jesus a lot, but he never repented. Peter, on the other hand, repented and changed his behavior. That's the beautiful thing about repentance is that it leads to restoration. God is a God that wants to be restored with you. It's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross for your sins and rise from the dead. Because he knew that Jesus was the only one that could pay for my sins and your sins. And repentance absolutely re- leads to restoration. In, Peter, in Peter's case, we see it very plainly. In John uh, chapter 21. Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's met with the disciples. And they're sitting, Jesus and, and uh, Peter, this is a beautiful picture. Jesus and Peter are sitting out on the beach together. And they're hanging out around a campfire. And Jesus asks Peter this question. Do you love me? Peter says, of course of course, I love you. Peter probably still feeling the sting about a couple of days earlier selling Jesus out. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? I think it's interesting that Jesus asked him that question three times. To go back to the three times that Peter said he didn't know Jesus. To remind Peter You're forgiven. You're restored. Our relationship is restored because of repentance. Because I have died for your sin, Peter. I've risen from the dead, and through me, you can be forgiven. That's the beautiful thing. Regret never gets you there because regret's all about you. Repentance goes this way. Jesus restored the broken relationship with Peter. Peter. And the beautiful thing is he wants to do the same thing with you today. The same experience that that Peter had on the beach with Jesus is the same experience that you can have today. The Savior of the world is calling you into relationship. It's a beautiful thing. And the reality is, is that we, we live in a broken world of broken people that do broken things. And for some of you, you have not yet said yes to Jesus. I wish... I wish I had the time to sit down with you. I wish I had the time to, to plead with you. How much better my life has become because Jesus is in it. I have never once in my life ever regretted asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I've never, asked, I've never regretted asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I have never regretted walking with Jesus. Never, not once. And for those of you that, that you're, you're full of regret... And there's this pit, there's this hole inside of your heart. It's because there's that one last step that you need to do, and it's setting aside your pride, acknowledging that there is a God, that you are not him or her, and accepting the free gift of salvation that only Jesus can provide. And it really is very simple. It It is not hard. It's a surrender of the will. It's not words that you put together. It's acknowledging that you're a sinner, that your sin separates you from God. It's acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the only one that can save you from your sins, and you ask him to come into your life and you save and save me. And the Bible says instantly that happens. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And then all the things that we talked about, the fruit of the Spirit, that comes out of that relationship. Oh, I wish today I wish today if you don't know Jesus, that you would say yes to Jesus. Because regret is not something you're supposed to live with. It's not. Jesus didn't come for your regret. (laughs) He came to save you from your sin. But how about you, follower of Jesus? You're cool with Him being your Savior, but you struggle with Him being your Lord. And you wrestle with the pull of sin like salvation, good, awesome. I'll see you in heaven. And you don't want to grow in your relationship with God. The appeal of social media is greater than the appeal of spending time in God's word. Oh, I, don't, I, I don't have time. I choose not to have time. You can't really remember the last time you prayed unless it was around a meal. You're a little, you're a little nervous about talking to God. Maybe you, you got this little secret sin, this little thing that you really enjoy, and you don't really want to give it up. Jesus doesn't want you to live that way. And the, the guilt and the, and the shame and, the, and the, the miserableness that you feel in your life, that's the Holy Spirit pleading with you, please stop living your life that way. The same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that wants to walk with you. Will you please walk, and be, walk in this relationship with Jesus that he's offering you? And for those of you that know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wish, I wish, I wish I had time to sit down and talk to you about how Jesus continues to change my life. I do not live a sinless life, trust me. (laughs) I do not live a sinless life. But what I'm finding in my own journey with Jesus is that the more I grow in my relationship with him on a daily basis, the desire is to sin less. Because I see the damage that it does in my life and the lives of those around me, and I see how bad it hurts me, and I see that Jesus says, I, "I don't want you to live that way, Kevin. Please walk with me, abide in me. Come, let's have a conversation about this." But the beautiful thing about Jesus, whether it's salvation or growing your relationship with Him, is He doesn't force Himself on you. He doesn't grab us in a spiritual headlock and give us a noogie. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. You come to Him. As we close our time together today, I've asked Nash to, to come back and, and sing a song. I'm going a little old school with this, but it's one of my, I just love this song and the beautiful picture about coming to Jesus. It's not really a song that we're going to sing along with, but I do want you to listen to the words. And as you listen to the words, I want even more for you to listen to the call of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you need to come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And if you have walked away from Jesus, today is the day of repentance. Live in this abundant life that Jesus wants you to live in. My encouragement to you is that you listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you in your life today. God, thank you for this moment that you've called us into. Thank you, Jesus, that you understand. You understand the life that we live down here and the struggles that we face and and yet you walk through this life sinless. So thank you that, that Jesus, you are not a savior that doesn't understand and is, and is unaware. You're very aware, which is why you call us into a relationship with you to walk in this life. I pray for my friends today that don't know you, that today is the day they say yes. And for my friends that find sin more appealing than you, that they would stop and repent and turn to you and walk with you as you have always intended. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: your head for love is passing So... Oh. Dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus.